Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a leading edge insights podcast. On this week's episode, we're really excited to share with you a discussion that GFK led about brand purpose and the smart strategies for high stakes times. In what seems like an instant, the values and social actions of brands have become make or break with even mainstream consumers. From sustainability to global conflicts, the list of concerns brands need to engage with on a daily basis keep growing. In today's discussion, we'll be sitting down with Lydia Irving, Vice President for GFK North America, Alka Bajal, Senior Manager of Trends and New Methodologies at Nissan North America, Shri Leonard, Head of Foresight Innovation and Omnichannel Insights at Colgate Palmolive, and Tamami Suyari, Senior Market Intelligence Manager for Brother International, where they'll talk about how brands can navigate this volatile and unfamiliar world, high emotional stakes, and vast business consequences. Um, so we're going to start with some kind of basic questions about brand purpose. How have you seen consumer feelings about brands and causes change in recent years? And I'll ask that of each of the panelists. I will start. Everybody's consumer here. And when you choose products, like a printers, maybe a scanner or something like that, you don't necessarily just look for those things. So the still that the product attribute-wise, that reliability, um, the easy to use, that comes first. So again, I can see that uptick, but it's not like a change in the dynamic of the customer, what customer wants, so that we need to act as though, that we need to also still need to appeal that our product is easy to use, and the last, and also enjoy, for example, sewing machines that um, inspire creativity. So that's a little bit different, maybe dynamic for the different companies, but also that we also do a lot of um, sustainability project, and that the company stands for that too. Thank you. So um, I'm going to approach this question from a trends perspective. And since we were talking about recent years, I'm going to talk. I'm going to approach it from the time of the last two presidential cycles, as well as the pandemic and all the social and political upheaval that we've all been going through. No matter which side of the political or social spectrum that we're on, we we found through our research that people are expecting a lot more from brands and the purpose that the brands are serving beyond the, just the physical, tangible product that they're buying, beyond the cars that we're just selling, we're also promising something to the customer that our products, through our technology and our innovation, are going to help them maintain that some sort of semblance of sanity in their lives. When they get into a vehicle, you know, people, we also found that when people sit down in a vehicle, it's a time of decompression and it's, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you felt it, like after a long drive, you come home. We actually asked this, that sometimes people just sit in their car in the garage for a few moments to gather their thoughts before they go into the, into the home. 
Um, so that grand purpose extends to that feeling of, of just giving a little bit more organization and safety and that sense of serenity to our customers. And GFK's own research has shown that young consumers are looking for, you know, seeking safety is one of the big um, insights that we've seen this year. So looking beyond just the product to that mental and, um, and just extending a little bit more of an organizational and serenity hand to our customers has, has been really important. And I guess from my world, if I had to sum it up in one word, it's conversation. If you think about how much conversation from all areas of, of the environment have, have really sprung up in the past few years, it's the fact that consumers aren't afraid to talk about it. In fact, they're pushing companies and brands to talk about it, and brands, I think, are stepping up to the table. And thinking that five or 10 years ago, you've always had the Patagonias, right? We've been talking about this or the Tom's shoes, but Brands are coming out of the woodwork and really opening up the conversation and I think doing so more in a, in a space of transparency. And I think that especially came to light through COVID. And you know, that was a moment when many people took a step back and, and took a moment to reflect and started asking themselves, I think, more about where their dollars are going. Are they staying in their communities? How is it supporting you know, the broader kind of welfare and, and health of, of the world? So I think that really was a spark for that conversation, and I think we're gonna to continue to see it. What will be interesting to watch in this space is the trade-off that people make with inflation and some of the other financial constraints, and you know, at what point or for what categories or for whom, themselves, their children, their families, are they willing to make trade-offs in either their values or their, um, you know, the dollars and cents that, that they're putting on the, on the shelf. Um, so as a proud Gen Xer, I like to think that we were the generation that really started the idea of brand purpose and what mattered to us. However, I will concede um, that it's very obvious that Gen Z and millennials uh, are clearly, clearly expecting more from brands um, when it comes to taking actions for causes they believe in. Uh, and just as you said, this is getting more so each year and more brands are believing this and doing it and showing it and it's not just relegated to the Patagonias and Toms of the world. Um, are you tailoring your purpose efforts to specific generations? And are there any potential downsides to this approach? And I'll start with Sherry for this question. So I think probably every brand in this room is focused on millennials and Gen Z given life stage and given you know, financial opportunity. Um, but I think, in my view, it's more about having a consistent strategy and overarching message and then tailoring the touch points. And that's where the differentiation comes in. So, for example, for people who are more accustomed to shopping in-store for a tube of toothpaste, you have a QR code on pack. And you can use that to direct them to our ESG efforts or to ethical sourcing or to ingredients or, you know, equity IMC, whatever it is. Um, but, but use that as a touch point that's familiar and accessible. Um, for other groups of people, um, especially as we're thinking about hiring, this isn't just an external you know, issue, it's very much what drives people, I think, to, to um, certain organizations from an employment perspective. Um, you know, people look to LinkedIn, and, and that can be used as a different um, touch point where you can feature you know, links to your social impact report or um, you know, employee volunteer days or things like that. And then, of course, TikTok and different um, platforms like that, you know, give, give a peek behind the curtain, right? A day in the life of what an employee 
looks like. And we've actually recently done this for our Thompson main brand um, to try to bring to life, you know, what we mean by some of the brand purpose. Uh, so I think there are, you know, multiple ways in, multiple touch points, but it's really critical that you're kind of speaking the same uh, consistent messaging at a higher level. Thank you. I'll talk. Have for Nissan North America. Yeah, I think um, very much to what Sherry said with regarding um, looking in internally as well, um, you know, from an employee perspective. Um, we at Nissan has recently really ramped up, and even before, um, I would say, the last few years, the, the our DEI efforts, very, very transparent on our website. Um, but when it comes to tailoring specific messages, we, you know, we're a for-profit company, so you have to really look at the real, realistic aspect of it as well. Um, so instead of making outright direct statements, we try to make sure that what we have in our products can appeal to a vast, um, to our vast customer base across generations. The technology that gets put into vehicles, um, it's, it's immense now, and it can be overwhelming if it's not done correctly. So we can have all the technology in the world that may appeal to a younger generation, but there's, you know, we absolutely want to keep our older generations in mind as well. And loyalty is something that's very hard to win back. You know, if somebody gets frustrated with technology, it's very, you know, oh, sorry, I, this was just too hard, and they'll move on to the next brand. So making sure that we're very inclusive when it comes to what we put in our vehicles. And then um, from, from now, it's not only just important for young people, but sustainability as well. The electrification of our vehicles is a very important strategy. So making sure that you know, we are going to live up to our um, stated goals of electrifying nearly all of our portfolio in the next few years. So that is something that we're making sure that our young generation, as well as um, as well as our older customers, um, are comfortable with and understand the benefits of. Thank you. Um, so carrying on to your point about sustainability, um, how have approaches to sustainability evolved, and what do you see as the key challenges for marketers and brands in the future? And I'll start with Tamani for this question. <laughs> Yes, sustainability is a big thing for, I think, a lot of companies, especially like us, we are all manufacturers. So that we touch that the manufacturing, also that the logistics, warehousing, everything, we touch that the sustainability or energy or consumption conservation is really important. So that uh, not necessarily we don't appeal as a marketing message, to the car and the users. However, we do have, um, we created a corporate vision, sustainability vision, uh, and we have put already go goal in we, because Brother supports Paris Agreement, and we have, by 2050, our goal is to zero uh, CO2, yes, emission, and carbon neutrality. And we already have that mid-term um, mid goal in 2030, I guess a 65% reduction of CO2 uh, compared to our fiscal 2015. So we have pretty aggressive goals because we do, as a company, as a brand, we 
do need to really present to the world. We have to just just not the talk, but we have to walk the talk. So I think that's important for a lot of company, not just a brother, but that's what we do. Okay. Well, as I mentioned before about our electrification um, and making sure that customers understand that moving to a new technology such as, such as EV is not burdensome. So that's something to the education of, of these products and, um, and making sure that they understand that it, you know, the recyclability of, of batteries or um, moving to um, EV chargers instead of going to your um, gas station is not going to be an extra burden. And making sure that we actually communicate that, not just through our advertising, but also the vehicles that are on the road, the infrastructure. Um, you know, we're starting to work with local um, cities and the, and the and and utilities to make sure that that they're up, um, that they have the the resources um, from the government to do this. So it's it's a widespread spread effort, not just within um, the the vehicle industry, but all across as well. And just I think one thing to build. I agree with with both of those comments. I think when. One piece that's quite interesting, we have a 2025 sustainability strategy and, and, you know, like most companies, I think it can get highly technical. And I think as insights professionals, this is our opportunity to just take a pause and say, but that's fantastic and that's the way we track and, you know, we work with governments and NGOs and things to do that and that's important, but let's think about how we translate that to an average person or an average consumer. And there was an interesting illustration that Google had done a couple months back that showed how brands are talking about sustainability and it's decarbonization, it's highly technical terms, HGPE and PCR and everything else, and then how consumers talk about it. And for them, it's recycling a water bottle or it's bringing a reusable mug to Starbucks. So I think, you know, we just need to kind of check ourselves and help be that translator for our organizations too, when we think about how, how and when we can create some you know, meaningful innovation or communication opportunities around sustainability, because I think we really are the bridge. Thank you. So this is the last question that I have for the three of you, um, and we'll start with Alka for this question, um, but then we would like to open it up for, for your questions after this. So how have brands at your company approached purpose, and what tips and guidelines can you share with us? I think the biggest tip is um, listening to your customers so we have a very extensive um, feedback mechanisms within Nissan. So constantly listening to the customers and responding with, um, with the products and solutions that matter to them the most. Um, you know, when we, we first began this discussion and I talked about the challenges that people faced during the pandemic, you know, online shopping we saw through our own research and GFK's research had had skyrocketed, right? People were not going into the stores. Same thing was happening with our dealerships. So as people were not going into dealerships, we saw that this is not going to be, um, we're not gonna be walking this back anytime soon, right? So very quickly, um, we did develop strategies for people to purchase and get home delivery. So Nissan at Home was, was actually born during the 
pandemic time. And it turns out that it's something that not only do young people like, just because young people like to shop online, we know that, but it's something that goes across all cohorts. And so just listening and constantly um, being able to uh, innovate quickly is something that is all companies are going to have to do in the future. Tamami? Yes, okay. I wanted to maybe bring that one example. Um, for example, we did, uh, we last year we launched a new line of high-end sewing machine, which is maybe that purposefully designed for quilting. And what type of customers do you think about quilting customers? <laughs> yes, old maybe, conservative maybe, white female. Um, that's, but we created promotion video as the main character was the male, middle-aged male, and a variety of people in there. But, and we did that uh, uh, online board, uh, online board, so that we collected the you know, impressions from the, our actual customers and also potential customers. And with other materials too, like brochures and so on and so forth. But the video, interestingly, everybody liked it. Everybody really loved that, uh, oh, you use that uh, men. And it's not just for men, because we didn't use the men to because we know that there's a market for men. Because we wanted to approach men that inspire their creativity. Because a lot of men, male creative people out there. And presently, that a lot of people in there, uh, the, in the panel, they mentioned they wanted to see more different Different, like not like a model style people, but also like heavy set people, maybe different uh, ethnic backgrounds, or very edgy, creative person like tattoos and maybe the dread hair or something like that. So we were very surprised so that the customers, the consumers, are maybe beyond what we imagine. So we need to make sure what customer sees the world, what they want from the brand and through research. So I love that example, because I think it, it speaks to right, knowing your audience and, and being able to leverage a brand purpose to tailor those communications. I have kind of three thoughts around this, and I think the first is be really honest with ourselves about where we're starting from. And that's one of the exercises we went through probably five, seven years ago, we built out brand purpose models for every one of the brands across our categories, across our portfolio. And you can imagine a brand purpose for Colgate looks different than Tom's of Maine, it looks different than Palm Olive or Irish Spring, right? So, you know, I think there's acknowledging first where brands are starting from, the heritage, and the personality is really critical. The example that, that you just gave in terms of how you show up in communication is, is pretty important when you think about the role of brand voice in, in your purpose. Um, secondly, I think it's important to consider that, you know, they're really multidimensional. And so as we build out purpose, models, it's important to think about not only the categories that we operate in and, of course, the functional benefits and so on, but also a lot of the cultural tensions that are happening more broadly in the environment and, you know, kind of weaving that together to create more of a human element. And 
if you think about brand models, um, it's, it's more compelling and more meaningful to be a brand that talks about inclusivity or environmental activism or family connectedness than it is about washing your hands or brushing your teeth. So I think you know it's important to have that multi-dimensional lens to it. And then third and related to that is the importance of, I believe, uh, the say-do gap and being cognizant of how we're communicating and our actions internally and externally. And as we think about that, you know, being very aware that taking some actions like speaking out for in support of BLM or Pride Month or developing and launching a really climate forward product or packaging might open, you, open us up to criticism as much as it will to praise. So I think being kind of honest with ourselves as, as we're bringing to life the brand purpose in that, in that regard is important. And um, not only what we do or what we say, but when. And not feeling opportunistic uh, with when we speak or when we hire or when we innovate, but rather be really kind of thoughtful about the, the cadence and the timing and the consistency. Because I think it is the consistency that goes you know, back to really building the brand and, and living the purpose. Thank you. Um, and thank you for your time for all the questions that we've had so far. Um, and now I'd like to open it up to the floor for questions. I'll start back there because you were the first person I saw. I can start. Um, it is something that we do measure in our um, IMC, and, and we look at that through as we build out kind of custom attributes and either pre-testing or tracking. But I think the bigger metric actually for us is we build it into our equity trackers. And we do have a custom metric, and then we also look at measures like, you know, is a brand that lives our values or values aligned with mine, that sort of thing. Um, but but yes, it is, is built in, and it is something that's tracked. Down here. Yeah, good question. Um, you said around, um, you know, the need for organizationally be aligned with DEI initiatives and things like that, but also the need to balance at the bottom line. So how do you go about determining the importance of those things for a consumer Right. I, I don't think that they're, um, that they're, you know, apart, those things. We have to make sure that it's just the right thing to do, to make sure that our DEI efforts continue and get even better and that we have representation at all levels of the organization and that people outside the company can actually see that, that is very, very important. Um, and then making sure that our bottom line is is met, I don't, I think that is separate from that. But then, you know, we want to make sure that everybody can afford our products, for example. In the last um, year or so, the, um, the chip and semiconductor shortage, hey, have played a habit right throughout multiple industries. But that's something that we kept in mind because we wanted to make sure that that the price of our products did not go beyond um, a, you know where normal consumers could could afford them. And so that's something that was very much on in, in our minds and it was in the minds of um, our pricing groups and trying to make sure that actual um, vehicles were available and that Pricing did not go ex, um, exorbitant, mm -hmm. so 
that I think spoke to our nature of making sure that that, that we were accessible to all. Um, I'm going to go back wall because I've got the podium right in front of me. So I'm hoping to try that one there. Thank you. Uh, another question for Alka. Um, so uh, EV, obviously the future, um, the venue for the electrification strategy. Uh, but we all know that there are a lot of ethical issues with uh, particularly with EV batteries, supply chain, uh, child labor in the Congo, uh, nickel mining in Indonesia turning the oceans red and so forth. I'm just wondering if Nissan has identified ethical EV battery production as a brand purpose opportunity. And if so, have you started to invest in I think that our leadership is most is probably looking at making sure that we stay ethical in in battery production as well as in all areas of manufacturing. So while I can't specifically talk to you know exact or pinpoint the exact um, nature of what they are looking into, I I completely um, I'm aligned with the concern that you have with, with making sure that that's, um, that that's addressed and looked at. Um, we, you know, our electrification strategy is based on the fact that we know it's the right thing to do for the planet going forward. But um, that is something that I'm sure that, that Nissan will be keeping um, an eye on. Thank you. Um, I see one more down here. Um, Jim Williams from Premise. Sharia, it was very interesting what you said at the beginning about the trade-offs between uh, products with strong brand purpose and then the biting cost of living at the time. And I imagine that's particularly sensitive for you with the low price point of consumer packaged goods. I'd love to hear more about that. And, and also just get a sense of whether um, any of the, the feeling things that we were hearing from Alka, like the feeling thing on this hand, whether there's something about the feeling of the product that might be more important at these times rather than necessarily the price to tackle that same issue. Yes, I think absolutely. So the question was around um, basically inflationary pressures and increasing prices and how we think about that in terms of a trade-off and, and whether there's a, I think what I'm hearing you say is almost the, the emotional benefits that come from some of the products. So it goes beyond, you know, cavity prevention, but there's an elevated sense of health or wellness or, or caring and things like that. Um, I think the answer is yes, and I think that actually goes, that actually is, is quite, um, you know, important, an important element of why brand purpose matters. Because if you have a stronger brand that can elicit emotions and connections that go beyond just the everyday cleaning or hygiene or whatever, I think it gives you um, more of a reason for being through inflationary times, and, and I think really kind of um, helps you stand out on a shelf. Um, versus, you know, in the sea of competitors that, that offer many of the same functional benefits, the emotional connection and brand trust is really critical. I think this is going to be the last question over here. I think um, there was actually a panel earlier today that talked a lot about that, right, and, and how you bring in those dimensions. And um, I think it, it very much is a consideration, especially as you think about new innovation opportunities. And somebody mentioned it in the earlier panel about how kind of gen pop, as we know, is 
tapped out in many cases and in many categories. So it's, it's an opportunity not only from a business perspective to find new growth, but also from an equity perspective to do the right thing to make sure that, that you're serving different customers' needs. And I think um, one piece that I personally am quite excited about is as we think about um, first-party data and getting a lot of that um, into the pipeline, the opportunity to mine that for new user groups or new need states and starting to build out for you know, groups of people that may have been more niche in the past, but now are, um, you know, are important uh, opportunities for growth as well as opportunities to just serve and provide products for their needs. Thank you again for joining us for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you leave with some key takeaways, such as the best practices on how to approach brand purpose, actions the biggest brands are taking in this space, and the importance nowadays to know your consumer and communicate properly with them. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date with the latest insights. We'll see you next time so that you can keep thinking ahead.